0: From the Ecology Prime Studios, this is Circle for Original Thinking. I am your host, Glenn Appadicio-Perry. Welcome to Circle for Original Thinking, America's electronic talking circle for visionary thinkers, an open forum for fresh ideas and timeless wisdom applied to today's political and ecological challenges. Each week, we bring together creative thinkers from a variety of different traditions, asking the hard question, on the important issues of the day, political polarization, climate change, virulent viruses and other symptoms of humanity being out of balance with the natural world. Our goal is to recreate a sacred world in a sacred America, a new and improved version of E Pluribus Unum, from the many to the one, but this time not leave anybody out. Join us as we embark on this quest. Today we have some very exciting guests, Bruce Johansson and Orrin Lyons, and they're going to be discussing a very important topic, the Native American contribution to the founding of the United States, which was an enormous contribution. The book I authored, Original Politics, Making America Sacred Again, could not have been possible without the contribution of a lot of people, but particularly these two guests today who have a lifetime of work that I am truly indebted to. So let me introduce the guests to our listeners now. We are blessed to be joined by Haudenosaunee Elder Oren Lyons, the faith keeper of the Turtle Clan of the Onondaga Nation, an advocate for indigenous and environmental justice. Going back to the red power movements of the 1960s, Orin went on to be a leader in the Native American rights movements of the 1970s. He, He was a leader in the Trail of Broken Treaties caravan that marched on Washington. He helped establish the United Nations Working Group on Indigenous Rights. He's a recipient of the Ellis Island Medal of Honor, the Audubon Society's Medal, the Earth Day International Award of the United Nations, and the Elder and Wiser Award from the Rosa Parks Institute, for human rights. Oren is also the author of *Exiled in the Land of the Free: Democracy, Indian Nations, and the U.S. Constitution*. We will also be joined by Bruce Johanson, who wrote his doctoral dissertation in the 1970s on the influence of Native America on the founding of the United States. He went on to publish *Forgotten Founders* in 1982, *An Exemplar of Liberty: Native America* and the evolution of democracy, among many other books, including many environmental books, such as the Encyclopedia of Global Warming Science. Forgotten Founders and the Exemplar of Liberty, co-authored with Donald Grindy, shook up the establishment, and particularly the conservative media, people like Rush Limbaugh and George Will. But Bruce Johansson took that so well that he You know, it ended up drawing more attention to the book, and President Bill Clinton ended up buying 535 copies of Exemplar of Liberty and distributing one to every member of Congress. That's how important that book was. And the book is sadly now out of print, but it is available for free online. Next, I, I want to uh, set up the show um, um, and, uh, and, 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 and the question I'm going to ask our guests. I mean, it's really thanks to people like our guests and thanks to the oral tradition of Native America um, that we finally are realizing that what we were taught in school, that participatory democracy was invented by white men in powdered wigs, is false, or at least only partially true. America was really a hybrid nation, part Native America and part European. And this was understood, well understood for the first 50 years of the nation's history. And it's thanks to the work of our guests and others like John Mohawk, Rupert Costo, Donald Grindy, Sally Roche-Wagner, Steven Sachs, a truer picture of American history is emerging. And due to the work of of our guests, uh, Orrin Lyons and Bruce Johansson and others, there was a 1987 academic conference held at Cornell University building on this research that ended up presenting such overwhelming evidence that the U.S. Senate, and the House of Representatives, shortly after, on the 200th anniversary of the signing of the, of the Constitution, they explicitly gave credit to the Iroquois for their influence on democratic ideals passed on to many of the Founding Fathers. And that was wonderful. But here's the thing. The Founding Fathers did not create the same inclusive society that, that the Iroquois and other confederacies, Chippewa, Ottawa, and other Native American societies did. The Founding Fathers took what they wanted to take, and perhaps they took what they understood. They adapted their principles for European society. Most prominently, they left out the women, and they left out, obviously, also the people of color. In doing so, they created a shadow. Now today, Donald Trump is a catalyst for revealing the shadow of America. We now see America as it really is. And this has been sometimes ugly, you know, events like Charlottesville and whatnot. But we are also seeing a current awakening of consciousness So both of this are happening at the same time. We're close to losing our democracy. Just yesterday, we're recording on July 11th, on July 10th, Donald Trump has commuted the sentence of Roger Stone, who is allegedly a co-conspirator in crime. That's where our democracy is now. We need to take a hard look at our democracy. Some say that what is needed is a Truth and Reconciliation Commission like occurred in South Africa after apartheid. We need to take a hard look at our American history. The truth and reconciliation process in South Africa was intended to heal oppressor and oppress the like. But the history in America is different. So here's my question for our guests. Why should we and by we, I mean natives and non-natives trust a truth and reconciliation process and another way of thinking about that is why should we Native Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, Latinos and white Americans trust a truth and reconciliation process and I turn I'm going to turn the question over first to Bruce Johansson, and then we'll go to Orrin Lyons. And uh, thank you so much for both being here. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. So, Bruce, why should we, natives and non-natives, trust the truth and reconciliation process?
1: Um, you know I've so I uh, I mean I've been studying and I've received uh, knowledge from oh, all over and especially from Oren and um, you know every so often we we've had occasion to be side by side this is one su- such day and I'm happy for it um, the word truth as we all know uh um, has various meanings t- to various uh, uh people um if if uh, donald trump uh, you know hears this he'll he'll boast assuredly call it fake news so but he he does that a lot i mean he takes what he says is truth and turns it on its head and calls everything else fake. Uh, and I sometimes think that we're now in, you know, 1984. You know, the book and this the story of a time when you know everything was kind of upside down and inside out. So uh, truth, just the very word, has an you know is, is defined by somebody at some time. And, you know, we, we can only hope that all of the uh, people who, whom uh, Trump has offended and insulted will, will now form an alliance and vote, change things, and that the changes will, will stick. I mean, there's all kinds of contradictions in our history, or I suppose in any else's uh, um, we got uh, to talk about I mean you are know, our are heroes uh, supposedly know uh, Washington Jefferson and and others um, and it's true that they did some interesting things and some good things that we still recall but Jefferson also owns six hundred slaves, you know, and they kept his, you know, his his big house uh, going. I mean, he didn't, you know, fix his own food um, and so forth. You know, so he was both. I mean, he was a liberator and a slaveholder. So some things, in a strange sense, make other things possible. You know, the fact that, you know, that Jefferson was being basically held up and fed and clothed by slaves and made the, you know, the Declaration of Independence possible. Um, Let's see, the White House and some of those other uh, buildings in DC were held, you know, with slave labor. And these days, fortunately, we have people in the, the streets uh, uh, pointing that out. Um, it, it isn't always this way. Uh, um, in fact, I was reading in the uh, New York Times that in terms of, uh, you know, size, the Black Lives Matter um, movement has brought out poor people than um, any other in our history anybody you know and you can go back in history and there have been some you know upheavals but this is the biggest one in terms of people being out on the the street and raising basic issues. These these aren't questions which have just been born. I mean, they're old old issues in our culture and our history. But uh, mm-hmm. people have stood up and said no more, no more. And part of the uh, the contradictions of history and uh, part luther king uh, said this um only when it's dark enough can you see the stars um so the contradictions bring out our, our better side and let's hope that we're in a at a point in history where we're going to coalesce and we're going to put at least part of our better side back out there because the United States is important in this this world. I mean, I've traveled in foreign um, um, as um all over the world, and what impresses me is that they aren't holding us responsible for our present day um um idiocy i mean people are patient they're tolerant and they're decent i mean i i woke up one day in 19 oh excuse me i'm older than i think uh, in 200 in india and they had asked me over to talk about what we're talking about here today you know, the, the people of the world haven't forgotten us, and they they understand that we we had a better time with all its contradictions. Because at the same time that we talk about these ideas, the United States has evolved into the biggest empire in world history. So these things are happening at the same time. You know, we imperial, but we're also uh, carriers of a, a heritage, you know, which is a heritage of decency and a heritage of freedom. Um, so we need to assert the good parts of our history and beat the rest of the peoples of the, the earth with decency and kindness and thanks for putting up with us as we get our own act straight, because um, as I said er- earlier, it's um, a matter of contradiction. So back to our main issue here. Um, supposedly, according to the Constitution, we have a uh, truth and 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 reconciliation, uh you know. Dow, and it's called the Supreme Court. Um, mm. As we all know, the quality of a of a truth and you know reconciliation body would depend on who appoints whom, and who in the overall. Society Society is doing what to whom? Um, It's about time that people in our country woke up to who is doing what to whom. You know, I mean, we've kind of uh, destroyed or or lost a sense of what at one time was called a class, a a consciousness. You know, who is screwing whom, and that's why we have. I mean, I don't have the figures right here, but a, a, a huge portion of the country's wealth has been taken or concentrated. Uh, I'm, I'm avoiding the word earned because everyone who has a high or low job earns whatever it is that they think they've got. Um, but it's who is doing what to whom and who appoints whom to this body uh south africa had had such a body um, you know after apartheid you know Cape came down and they face these same issues you know they have a, a very very wide c- class structure even now i mean even after apartheid you know they're still working on it um but they face the issue of well who defines trust i mean who defines how we go and what we do from this period forward and who gets you know who gets recompense for what's happened to them and their ancestors which has been unfair or Cruel the interesting finding of the Supreme Court just this past week that almost half of Oklahoma in effect is um, a Indian country um, Which must have surprised a whole bunch of people so Mm. Speaking Mm. for myself And as written or as uh, uh, spoken in me by people like Oren and others, um, I mean, I'm I'm not native at all. Um, I had to learn it all. And I had native folks telling me, I mean, at first I didn't pick this up in our books. Um, They took me there, they said, explore this, explore that, and I said it It was fascinating. I mean, I was starting a Ph.D., and the people, the professors who were, uh, you know, supervising me were asking me to do a qualitative analysis of this or that or the other. And I found all this stuff extremely boring, so I went out and on the three of data people who I knew off campus. Um, I mean, I was active uh, early on in the uh, you know support, and then this was a con to it because he was from Seattle. And so, you know, we were in touch, you know, others were in touch, and they basically set me on the road, and so I was going over and looking things up and tracing them, you know, looking at at Benjamin Franklin's uh, papers and, you know, all sorts of things that had been studied and, you know, debated at that time, Um, and I was starting to get the tracings of what actually happened and the fact that it was a consensual process, and I was starting to find out that the whole (laughs) Tenochoni actually went after they sought out franklin they sought him out just like i was sought out in the 70s, um, and they got him or helped to get him appointed as an envoy of uh, pennsylvania to their uh councils um and so he was being taught and he was being taught in a very conscious manner. Mm-hmm. Um, most people haven't, you know, heard this. Uh, um, you know, often there is an oral history which runs in tandem with the other history, written history. And as odd as it may sound, sometimes the oral history is still there when the uh, the written history is either. Suppressed or forgotten. You know, all the books are there somewhere, but you, you have to go seek them out. So in in the 70s, on the, the invitation of uh, you know Indian folks that I knew, um, I was starting to seek these things out in a form that academia would understand, and that's you know books and. Footnotes and all, all of that. Um, mm-hmm. It was very, very interesting to see the contradictions emerge because most of my supervisors had never heard of this. You know, and these are you know professors of you know history, and they were teaching me that the influences on this continent. Turtle Island, North America, um, that they flowed from east to west and that the causal agent was the United States and that the action here was civilization east to west. And I thought, here I've got Mm -hmm. a story that in its broadest form talks about influence that goes the The other way, and at the time '70s, uh, that was a a, you know a debatable idea. Um, We we sometimes forget how uh, you know how narrow we've been, you know, until we get behind it and we look back and go, oh shit! I mean, we were uh, behind the times. Or ahead of the times or facing the contradictions of an old history that's now at least partially out of date. Um, so I kept looking and I kept finding, and the case got stronger, who um, perhaps have heard, heard of a uh, Bill Lucas, who was a chalked off filmmaker. Um, And he introduced me to an essay written by Felix uh, uh, Cohen in 1952, which points all this out in a broad outline. It was published in the um, um, American Scholar. Um, Cohen was also uh, the author of the hand book of um, Indian law big book um, in mm. the late 40s and early 50s. Phil um, asked me to look it up and I did and I took that into my PhD advisor and I said here's an important guy talking about important issues. And he has the basic outline of my case here in the early 1950s. Um, and my Pfizer looked at it and he said, "Well, you have a topic here. I mean, he hadn't recognized that before. But he, here I had a you know a person who was high in the government, you know, an established author." Quoting Jefferson and Franklin on these these things so by that time mm-hmm. I was it, it was fill in the blanks time it, it was write the story time I, I mean I, 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 I had to, to struggle to make the case that I had a case and then they let me do it so I mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I had a fight um, and it's the fight isn't over and what's interesting is that um, the, the contradictions of teaching history and learning history be, being what they are um, and, you know, the communication uh science and that was my major you know i mean i i I learned how to manipulate how people communicate and so i set myself for the to the job of turning america's head around on this issue and it was a Mm. A thought of fun because I was able to engage uh, people who were hissing and spitting at me and turn their heads um, it was an interesting thing to see I mean you mentioned uh, but there were all kinds of others who came in to this and the 80s, especially starting in the late 80s before Oren and others went up to uh, Congress and got that statement that, you know, has Mm. turned some heads at that Mm. time. And after that, see, this was a, by then it was a team effort. Um, I, I recall going up to see John Fadden of Serenac actually owned Chihota in New York State, and his father, you know, Ray Fadden, who had you know scoped all this out before, you know, decades ago, and talking with them, and they said that they had read forgotten founders and really really liked it Um, so we also had the other side Limbaugh and others who were arguing that this was in essence really a really bad case of fake news Um, and I found that I could make i could even the playing field by you know imitating them and feeding it back mm. and what happened is it raised the issues profile because these people were really had incredibly large audiences of um incredibly ignorant people so I was able to kind of go where I wouldn't have otherwise been able to go by arguing with them and getting on the stage next to them and Drawing their o- audience into it, um, if that makes any any sense. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it was a plot from the start to kind of go around under and through the opposition and engage them in with. Their own arguments and pick them up, up apart and say, you know, this didn't happen. That's not fair. That's incomplete. Now here's the actual history, and it's and, and we're we're not going to leave the whites um, out of it because they they had a role too. You know, I'm I'm i I mean I'm European. I mean i I'm, I'm a Scandinavian, and I'm going to uphold but my own, you know, ethnic group too. However, some things have been, some serious things that shape history have been left out. And we're still facing the issue of truth and reconciliation you know which means to state history how it actually happened and I think that the you know the black lives Matter people you know that that's their main issue and I mean there's there's Police mm. violence, and that's a valid issue. But what comes out afterwards is to change how we think, so that won't happen. You know, mm. and to change it in the heads of the police, which is a mm. hard sell. But that's what has to happen. So, it, what what brings joy to my heart is that what happened, you know, on the the streets was. Multi ethnic. There are all hmm. kinds of people coming out and marching side by side and seeing no, no more. And what, what we have to do is to get that understanding between us all and understand that we have a, a common enemy. And Trump is only the head of the monster. There is what 35, 40% of the electorate who support him, you know, no questions asked. And we need to get to them and turn their heads around. And the the white Mm -hmm. people are a crucial element in this. Anyway, how Mm -hmm. much time have I sucked up?
0: We'll worry about that later, Bruce.
1: Thank you. Well, I, I, thank you I very think I'm much. <laughs> that was, so, uh,
0: that was well, very, well, very, very beautiful thought. So thank you, Bruce. Thank you very much. And I want to ask the same question of Oren Lyons. Uh, why should we, and by we I mean natives and non-natives, all Americans, why should we trust a truth and reconciliation process?
2: Well, first of all, let me, <clears throat> let me, to uh, my patriot, Bruce Johansson, thank you so much, Bruce, for, for your discussion, because it, it raised so many issues, in my mind, that um, have to be addressed over time, and um, and also, Uh, Certainly, I think that we must get back together again, Uh, yourself and myself and Rick Hill and like-minded people, to have a contemporary discussion and evaluation of uh, all of these points that you made and uh, what has occurred up to this time. Anyway, I certainly really appreciate your your statements and also your observations and um, opened up so many areas of thought for me so thank you so much and and consider that discussion that i just said or the uh possibility of us sitting back down together again please give that thank serious you. consideration
1: or as we say A-ho. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah all right you. well now again um, the question you asked, why should we consider now this is um this is a process that that the Hodenshone always does and always has from way back uh would you repeat again your question and I'm Certainly. Um,
0: why should we, and by we I mean Native, Native Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, Latinos, and white Americans, you know, why should we trust a truth and reconciliation process?
2: Okay, that's uh, a little bit different than what you said, the first time. Okay, so uh, um, now I'm going to ask the question, and I'm going to use the, the old process that we always used when we met and had these kinds of discussions. Are, uh, so what you're saying, why should we trust the, the truth and reconciliation process? or discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, i say, uh, how can you, how can you even begin that discussion without uh, entering the really important, I would say, foundational factor that's missing in that statement, you know, which is reparations. Where, you know, what are we doing? Are we saying, oh, I'm sorry, and that's uh, really the truth? What about reparations? Now, we'll see where you're at. Now you'll get your back up. Oh, reparations, that means something I have, I have to give back? Well, let's see how much of a reconciliation you want. That's my response to that question. Reparations, replacing what you took from these original peoples of Turtle Island. So I know that's um, it's a challenge. It's a serious challenge because now you're going to have to talk about land. You're going to have to talk about stolen property. I don't know how many conversations over a period of my lifetime when I'm speaking from my white brother from across the water, and I use that term considered you know, white. I'm talking about a white man is Tom talking to this white man. And he says to me, we have truth and reconciliation. I said, okay, what about reparations? What about what you took? What about that? Let's have a real talk. Not an I'm sorry talk. That doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it. And, and how do you... How do you reconcile the fact that the greatest genocide, probably in the world at the time, took place directly after landfall of Christopher clumps Our lands over here, genocide. Huge. Thousands, millions of native people died, were killed. Hunted down with dogs How do you reconcile that how do you even we really want to talk about that? You know our brothers from Africa who were brought over here on slave ships By the king of England English merchants you know, it merchandise. That's what they were, they were not people. I mean, as far as England was concerned, as far as the civilized European nations were concerned, and when they got here and they met the original peoples of this hemisphere, north central, what you call South America now, what we call the Great Turtle Islands, And you got here millions of people with civilizations, real civilizations, up and down the hemisphere. And where your principles, what you talk about democracy, and we didn't have a word for that, I don't think, except maybe peace peace, mm-hmm. Scano, mm-hmm. and that was a all involving concept. Peace meant good relations with not only one another, human beings, but good relations with everything that grows, everything that walks, everything that swims, flies. That was our relations, our relatives, who we took great consideration of and who we were very grateful for. And all of our ceremonies, the ceremonies right across Turtle Island, I don't care what section of the world you're, you're on this side you're talking about, when any one of these ceremonies were going on, and if we were visitors, and then ceremonies were going on in the language of the people that we were visiting. We didn't understand the language, what they were saying, but we understood precisely what they were talking about. We knew that it was the same thing that we talk about in our language. So, I any mean, one of the speakers, I any mean, one of the speakers, anywhere, whether you're from North, Central, South America, and you're uh, you're opening the conversation and you're you're speaking in your language on the spiritual aspects we understood completely what you were saying we knew what you were saying because we said the same thing very common anyway so so this relationship and um I was very, I was very uh, awakened by Bruce, Bruce's discussion about Felix Cohen's U.S. Handbook on Federal Indian Law, that was uh, 1941, and he really laid out the Federal Law as, as was written at the time in the 1941 terminology and that has been purged and i use that word advisedly, purged of some of the principles that were stated in the 1941 edition and we're purged by some of our own people We're professors, educated. And they were purged because they reflected a better relationship, a more honest relationship with our people. And so uh, at one point I had those books reprinted and I had them di- redistributed. And we had a very, very wonderful non-Indian, wealthy individual who did that work with us. So a lot of people, there's a lot of people who are not Indian, who are concerned about this reality of. The difference about the reality and what is printed in your books and also that the american public has been deliberately kept ignorant of the real history of this nation they have that's a deliberate i wouldn't say obfuscation but i would say omission they just didn't talk about it And uh, a lot of what uh, Bruce was talking about reminded me of these these periods. I, myself, personally, I got involved in this at the request of my clan mother. And uh, she asked that uh, I join the Council of Chiefs. And at that time, I was pretty independent uh, on my way into the white man's world, uh, making my way in his land. Uh, I was very, very curious about everything he was doing. And um, and I had uh, a degree from a university Which allowed me, and then I had natural talent. I was an artist. I've been drawing ever since I can remember a little boy. Um, And I I was quite capable. I was a good artist, commercial. I could sell stuff, I did. So, uh, using that, I went down to New York City, and uh, because, (laughs) you know, that's where. A lot of this stuff all started going going back to our original discussion with the Dutch. When New York then was a village, this Long Island, what they call Long Island, was a village there, and an establishment, a colony of the Dutch, it's called New Amsterdam. It was not New York, it was New Amsterdam because the Dutch were there first. When the English took over, and we had made an agreement with the Dutch called the Turo, which really was an agreement with his brethren, basically, all the people who were coming from Europe. Because that was the terminology we used, the white man. And that's who we saw. That's who was over here first, the white man and um we had an agreement on about peace friendship forever you and your you and your ship and your many different peoples and languages and we in our canoe going down the river side by side connected by three principles peace friendship forever so now yeah, that was the principles of of the uh, Turo pelt and forever was was termed as long as the sun shines as long as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west as long as the rivers run downhill and as long as the grass grows green shall we keep this covenant of peace and friendship mm. so, So the rivers are still running downhill, the sun is still rising from the east, setting in the west, and the grass is trying hard to grow green right now, but it is still green, So, so as far as we're concerned, that covenant goes on.
3: And we apologize for interrupting Orion's Lyons' remarks. The, due to the length of this podcast, uh, it has been determined that it will be separated into two parts. So part two, the concluding episode, will be aired next week. And uh, fear not, the sun will still be rising in the east, the rivers will still be running downhill, and the grass will still be growing green. We asked the question, how can we trust in a truth and reconciliation process? We heard today from Bruce Johansson, the author of Forgotten Founders, an exemplar of liberty. We heard that there are many meanings of truth. And we heard the fascinating story of Bruce Johansson, how he set out to change history, or at least the way it's being written about. And we heard the beginning from... uh, Oren Lyons, the faith keeper of the Turtle Clan of the Onondaga Nation. And a great orator, I might add. We heard from Oren. you know, if we're going to ask that question, we better first talk about reparations. Then we'll sit down and talk. And we heard from Oren, confirming what Bruce said, that the true history had not been printed an appreciation for what he, Bruce, had done and a desire to sit down together. We'll hear a lot more from Oren Lyons next week as he continues to lay out the the true history of this nation and the involvement of the Um And again, I apologize for interrupting this, but it is going to be a lot more to hear from Oren Lyons next week. So... So it's something to look forward to Anytime you can listen to Oren. It's something very special. So thank you very much, and until next week, this has been Circle for Original Thinking. I'm Glenn Appadicio-Perry, your host, and tune in next week. Thank you. This program is made possible in part by Select Books, Waterside Publications, Bizgenics, and the Ecology Prime Media Channel. Native flute music by Orlando Secatero from the Pathways CD. Liberty Song by artist Ron Crowder, written by Ron Crowder, Jim Casey, and Danny Casey. Post production editing by Scout Media Strategies. The Circle for Original Thinking is a grassroots think tank whose mission is to seek out the deep origins of contemporary thought in order to remember and restore heart-centered wisdom for humanity and all our relations on earth for more information go to originalthinking.us or originalpolitics.us and you can also find and purchase my books original thinking and original politics there thank you for listening and until next week